0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bell Collective podcast. Bell Collective is a community for professional women who want to change stereotypes surrounding female travel and creative choices, and I'm your host, Alina Rudia. Today, my guest is a Berlin-based photojournalist with a black belt in Taekwondo, Nadia Wolle. Together, we discuss topics of domestic violence, importance of learning self-defense for women, as well as dig deeper into the world of Shaolin Kung Fu sword-fighting Indian grannies, and 106-year-old women defeating rapists in the suburbs of Nairobi. Several sensitive topics regarding domestic violence and women abuse may be upsetting for some people, so listener discretion is advised. All right. Uh, hello, Nadia. How are you? Hi, Elena. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Well, I am uh, doing quite well, and uh, I'm really glad to uh, about you joining me today on this podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's my first podcast ever. So
0: <laughs> Okay, that, that is great to hear. I mean, uh, I've had my first podcast ever last time. Uh, I never recorded one before and probably I've never even listened to a single podcast until mm-hmm. like a month or no, two months ago. That was my first time ever. And I have to admit now I'm hooked. I will start with basically introducing you or I would like actually for you to introduce yourself for our audience. So please tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, who you are, where you're from and uh what do you usually do when not affected by the corona crisis.
1: <laughs> All right, so my name is Nadia wuleben I am an independent photojournalist and documentary photographer. And um, I live in Berlin. I was born in Cologne, but um, yeah, moved to Berlin quite a while ago and I'm very happy to be here. Um, well, usually I work a lot for magazines and newspapers and I also do my own personal projects whilst also having corporate clients that I shoot for. Um, so yeah, usually I'm quite busy shooting, but lately, um, obviously that has changed a bit. Yeah. Um, and so I have turned the camera on myself um, for a change, which was really weird in the beginning. Um, but now it's actually quite fun, I have to say.
0: All right. Yeah, that, that was actually kind of like my next question. Um, how did your life change during the current restrictions? Uh, do you still have a possibility to work on any assignments as a photojournalism, or not at all? Well, actually, I had one shoot uh,
1: like two weeks ago, a portrait shoot um, for a newspaper where I was portraying a nurse. And that was pretty much the only assignment that I had in the past weeks. Like I was supposed to have a lot of work uh, lined up and it's all been canceled or like postponed to to an unknown future, obviously. So, um, yeah. So I have a lot more time to, you know, um be, be creative in a different way. Like usually I focus on topics of like uh, femininity, power and identity. So um, in my like long-term project, Amazons, I am documenting or like collecting stories of women who fight, like also physically mm-hmm. fight um, to, you know, improve their situation in their respective societies. Um, like I'm a martial artist myself, I'm also a martial arts teacher. That's where, you know, my specific interest in that topic comes from. So that's what I usually work on. But now, now obviously, like I would have been in India right now, like to continue mm-hmm. working on this dream story of mine with my dream magazine. And now, sadly, obviously, I cannot be in India.
0: Okay. So, uh, yeah. I follow you on Instagram and I really love this series of pictures where you're depicting yourself, like staying at home with your partner. So how do you actually cope uh, with staying at home? Do you, uh, other than taking uh, pictures of your everyday life, do you, uh, are you learning something new? Are you actually applying for new grants? Uh, Like how does your day look like today?
1: Well, actually, I have to say, I mean, we are in a very privileged situation here in Germany. Like, we can still go out and do sports and go for walks and stuff. So I think that makes it way more bearable than in other countries where they're not even allowed to go out. Like, I think if that was the case here, then I would go crazy. But... Uh, Luckily, we are allowed to go outside, so I basically do lots of sports, you know, go out to the park a lot. And um, apart from that, I'm getting lots of stuff done that I've been postponing since forever on my to-do list, you know, uh, works around my home, uh, like cleaning windows and and planting (laughs) me and you know stuff like that and um, so over the past month I got so much stuff done at home that I wanted to do since forever so that's like a positive side effect and uh, then with my partner I have to say it's actually really nice because um, I mean the situation of course is like frustrating for everyone but in a way you know we get to know each other Much better, also because now we can spend way more time together. Because usually, like both my partner and I, we travel a lot for work and so often we won't see each other for a long time but now we can like see each other every day and every night (laughs) and actually getting along pretty pretty well like it's it's amazing plus we have the luxury that we have like two apartments like that are right next door to each other which in Berlin is very unusual so we basically we have the luxury of being able to switch between our quarantine places so we have two different
0: places this Um, is this is really nice I mean I um I'm also, uh, you know, like I've seen my husband more than I've seen him in this like few months and I've seen him in the past five years that we're together. (laughs) And uh, like, I I really enjoy spending time with him. And sometimes I really wish we had like a separate, one more room because we have two rooms in our apartment. I wish we had just one more probably (laughs) (laughs) to just uh, have a time for yourself. But at the same time, I also feel like uh, we've never been... um, like you know, we've never spent such a great and intimate time together, just uh, reading books and talking and cooking together. And uh, I'm really happy to be in this kind of like happy relationship because I can imagine it can be really harder for people who are in a relationships which can which are far from from perfect. You know, because I nowadays there are talks about the um, domestic violence raising, and I can imagine in this situation. This is really, really, um, this is really, really hard.
1: Of course, there must be a nightmare to be stuck with
0: someone that
1: already, you know, like the foundation of the relationship is cracked, and you know, and then you don't have the possibility to escape. Um, that must be really, really difficult. And I feel very sorry for, you know, um, all those women who have to go through that because I did hear that especially in in Spain and I think Italy. Uh, there was a very high rise in in domestic violence and they um, even had like code words that women could say at a pharmacy. So if they would say, I think, mask 19 or something, that was like the code word for the uh, pharmacist to know that they should alert Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a case of domestic violence. Which, um,
0: yeah, I was actually, I mean, it's a little bit changed and we're not changing the topics. I think it's re- really good that we talked about um, raising their awareness also probably that some people are not in a happy place right now. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, that. You're actually a martial artist and that you have a black belt in Taekwondo and you're also teaching um, self-defense, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yes, Um, mainly for women. So I have like a Taekwondo class here in Berlin, a group of girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also give like regularly, well, usually regularly um, like self-defense workshops uh, around once a month, but also only for women or girls Mm -hmm. like And it's a lot of fun. You know, I really enjoy passing those skills on and to see how the women, you know, like they come in and they're a bit shy and, you know, and then when they walk out uh, and in the end, you know, I always do like, um, uh, like they have to break some wood and they're always like, oh my God, I cannot break wood, you know, and then, then they do. And then all of a sudden, you know, they feel so proud and they feel so much stronger. And then they walk out like 10 centimeters taller, you know, like, yeah, bring it <laughs> And I really love that. It's so rewarding, you know. I'm I'm very very grateful that um, I have the possibility to live my two greatest passions, which is like photography and martial arts. And I managed to 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 turn them both into my professions, which for me is perfect, you know. Um, so I'm very that is
0: great. In 2018, uh, you also made an app. Uh, like you were you are a co-founder of an app called Mighty, and it's basically an app which teaches women. Uh, self-defense through fitness or, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was checking it out. Unfortunately, I don't have an, um, I mean, I, I I couldn't download it on my phone because I don't have an iPhone, but no. I was, yeah, I was checking it out. And it's such a great idea. I think uh, that uh, like a lot of women who probably have no possibility of learning self-defense in a group, maybe they're, I don't know, in certain circumstances where they cannot go out or uh they don't have time but at the same time like using your app they can actually um they can actually learn how to defend themselves exactly
1: yeah yeah it was a really great project i really loved working on it um we had a great team and i think the app is really Well done, you know, well filmed and we had like great fitness models and like some of the, you know, the more advanced techniques I also demonstrated myself. It was so much fun shooting it and it was also very well perceived. But like you just said, the only problem is so far it's only been developed for for Apple, like for Mm -hmm. iPhone. Um, and they always wanted to do another version for Android, but apparently, I mean, I'm obviously not the, the geeky techie person, so I don't know what it takes, but they explained to me that it's really difficult and costs a lot of money to basically transfer it or also make it available on Android. So that's why it's not yet there on Android, which is such a shame because often, you know, after my workshops, um, I talk to women about this app and they all want to have it. And then most of them only have like an Android phone. And so unfortunately they're not able to use it. And me myself, I have an Android phone, so I'm not able to use or show my own app to anyone, which
0: is really a bit um, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit pity because I think that Android, they have like a, they have so many different phones from different price ranges. And so they can actually like them. There are many users also in not we're not only talking Germany, I, I've read on an article that there was a woman from Iran for example, commenting uh, on this yeah. app that there are probably women who own like a, like a cheaper device an Android device, and they cannot afford like a fancy iPhone, and they could have used they, they could have really used your your app. that would be really, really great if uh, if it will be transferred to I'm- Android. I've been trying to talk
1: to the technical division, you know, to the guys who program everything. And I explained to them, you know, how important it would be exactly for that reason. And they understand that too. But their idea was to first sell it through Apple Mm-hmm. Uh, where like usually people have a little more money, people who have an iPhone are usually financially a bit stronger you know than the ones who have an Android, so their idea was to sell it through Apple first, and then once they have the money from Apple, they wanted to develop the Android version and then also offer it to like you said, women from certain regions who might not be like financially strong that they can basically download it for free, so that was the idea to you know oh okay the money that they can pay and then that we're able to offer it for free to those in need who don't have the money to buy it so that was the idea behind it but um yeah i don't know i mean i've been asking the techie guys
0: a few times and i don't know unfortunately at the moment it is what it is you know but it's still hope it will work out because i think this is something which is really really important since we're talking about self-defense, let's just talk about your amazing, amazing uh, project, which is basically a, a series of different projects from all around the world, uh, which is called Amazons. And uh, I was looking, I mean, uh, I, I've I followed your work for a while now, so I know all of them. And I'm really, really amazed about all these crazy stories, which like really, I think it's like eye opening. It was eye opening for me, and I can imagine it would be eye opening for a lot of people to know that there are women who are strong, not only not only mentally but also physically, who are who fight and who um, just defend themselves. And they're, uh, so l- let's just start. Like the first one, I've I remember seeing from you was uh, the um, sword and a sari project, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing this picture of this woman, she's 76 years old, and she's from India. Uh, you, we usually, when we talk about India we, oh, and female rights, we always talk about some, like, we always hear this kind of horrible stories, and how women are treated there in some communities about rape. Uh, and then suddenly, there comes a 76-year-old uh Rakhavan Rakhavan who is training the ancient south and indian martial art since like 69 uh, years of, like what <laughs> what is going on like tell us a little bit about this story you uh, you you were following
1: yes yeah, so um this lady is just amazing i mean she's a powerhouse uh, menakshi ragwan or minakshi gurukal is like her master title it's kind of like you know guru like the master so they also they call her menakshi gurukal so like mm-hmm. the brand and she basically like she loved uh, so this South, ancient, uh, South Indian martial art um, is called Kalari Payatu Mm -hmm. and it's not really known in the west like in the west we know all about yoga and ayurveda but we don't know that much about Kalaripayattu. but it's actually one of the three like legs basically of the indian healing arts you know Mm -hmm. so it's like a very old martial art and what most people also don't know is when the bodhidharma back then the monk when he went from india to china Uh, It is known that he brought Buddhism with him, right? And that he basically established Buddhism uh, in China. But he also brought this martial art with him, which was Kalare Kayatu, and which then in China became Shaolin Kung Fu, which like we always like most books, it will say that Shaolin Kung Fu is the mother of all uh, martial arts or Asian martial arts. Um, but it, in fact, it was actually Kalari Payatu. So that's just like a little background information. So they also imitate animals like they do in Shaolin Kung Fu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she so fell in love with that martial art when she was a little girl. And it was very unusual for girls back then to to train this martial art because, you know, like in India or like in a lot of countries, actually, like society always says like, oh, a girl shouldn't do this. Like a girl shouldn't do martial arts. A girl shouldn't ride a bicycle. A girl should not do this and that. And so she, but her parents were very open, you know, so she basically begged them that she could go and, and train this martial art. And so she did, and then she fell in love with her great great master. So she was, I think, like 17, and he was a bit older. I think he was, like, 30 or something. I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to give any great wrong mm-hmm. information. So she fell in love with him, and then he asked her to marry her, and then she did, and then they had, like, four children, and then they basically ran this martial arts school together. And then at some point, I think when she was, like, 70, he passed away. And then she basically took over his legacy. So she was already like, you know, teaching as well, like during his time while he was alive. But then when he passed away, she took over the school. So she became the first known uh, grandmaster of Kalari Payatu with her own school in India. So this is a big deal. Um, And then she received uh, like a national uh, award, which is like, it's called the Padma Shri. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of... Well, in Germany we would say like a Bundesverdienstorden, you know, it's like this, <laughs> this, I don't know how to say it in English, you know, it's like an award basically for her lifetime commitment to Kalari Payatu and um, yeah and then since then she's been like celebrated as a national hero, she's being invited all over India to to give talks and in her talks she inspires other women and girls to learn Kalari Payatu, to be able to defend themselves and she still fights and she is so fast and she fights in a sari. And I don't know if you ever tried on a sari. Like I actually did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's like six meters of off yeah so it's really difficult to put this thing on and for me when i was wearing it like for me it was already difficult to walk in it because you're a bit limited you know in the the leg freedom so i don't know how she does it but she fights in those saris which is even more incredible you know and then she will fight like uh with like young men like in their mid-20s And, you know, she's, she's just fast, like a leopard or something. It's just, I'm, yeah, as you can hear, I'm a bit of a fangirl.
0: Yeah, I I can, I'm, I'm totally a fan. I was just showing a a little documentary on YouTube about her to my husband. And I was like, look at this badass lady with two swords, just like, what this is like so incredible and i think like we should really have more of those kind of role models because you know the stereotype of uh, women being a weaker sex or weaker gender it's so overused or we're always portrayed as victims and very often of course uh, women are victims of uh, of uh, violence but at the same time there's such women which uh, which are showing with their own example that there is a possibility to stand for yourself also physically all this women probably who are uh, abuse, they need to see that there are such women who are standing for themselves so they can also stand up and stand up for for themselves. I don't mean that everyone has to fight. I mean we're not all capable of it, of course. But I'm really, really glad that this woman actually exists and she teaches young girls to actually stand for themselves because this is something we also we really, really need. Because women are always told to like shut up and be quiet and be nice and smile and not to be not provocative. But probably we need those kind of examples to see it's also okay to be a badass kick-ass martial artist
1: absolutely absolutely and that's what I try to always transport in my work you know I like to tell stories that are also uplifting and positive in a way and I don't like to um like you know in photojournalism there's a lot of people or like the industry depends a bit on victimizing people and it's all about war and, and 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 you know sad sad things and people who are basically victims and I don't want to victimize you know I I want to like instead like empower my subjects you know and 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 through telling their story um of them self-empowering themselves you know I feel like that can then inspire other women to self-empower themselves too you know.
0: So about talking about like uh, victims who are standing up for themselves—is this another uh, like the, the part of the Amazons? Another project this time from Kenya? And honestly, just the title you have on your website—it it could have been if if I've read it somewhere on I don't know like Daily Mail or any kind of like <laughs> yellow page, you know, like this kind of yellow press—I would be like, yeah, right. This is this is too good to be true. This is ridiculous. But then like like listen to this shoshokinje. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Grandmothers in Nairobi's township fight off rapists. <laughs> this is like, this is more like Ninja Turtles or something. And then, no, this is grandmothers in Nairobi fighting off rapists. This is this is also a crazy, crazy story. And um, I will just take, uh, I will just uh, read a little bit from your website and then you just uh, continue. And then you will tell more about your personal experience. But to our um, audience, Um, If you didn't know, in um, Korogochus and Kibera slums in Nairobi, in Kenya, one in four women are raped. And the crazy thing about it, that a lot of older women are target uh, of uh, rapists there because um, a lot of young men, they do believe that having sex with a grandmother will cure their HIV and wash off their sins. I mean, how sorry i don't want to use like any swear words, but how crazy is this that' oh, in, in contemporary world, there are people who are thinking that they will wash all their sins by committing basically another sins okay. by by raping and like abusing an older person, but at the same well, time, these women don't want to be victims, and they're all in their 70s and 60s and they're also like they're also fighting those rapists how do they do it tell us about that so the the oldest participant when i was there
1: in 2017 was actually 106 years old wow and he had just been raped the year before that when she was 105 years old by like some guy who was in his mid-20s so the really? crazy thing, I mean, this, this, this idea is actually a very old idea. It's called the virgin cleansing myth, okay? So, like, it exists since hundreds of years. And back in the days, the idea was, like, if you rape a virgin, then you will be healed from whatever disease you have. Back then, it was mainly, like, syphilis, okay? okay. So this idea, uh, this silly, stupid idea, somehow persisted, like, for all those years and then because a grandmother, they think a grandmother is not sexually active anymore, hence she becomes like a virgin again. So that's the stupid thought behind that's this. That's like that-
0: a great logic and probably they also need a lesson in biology. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it's it's not funny, but it's just ridiculous that people nowadays still think things like that.
1: Yeah, it's very sad. It's also the reason why, for instance, in South Africa, a lot of babies get raped by by grown men. Oh, please!
0: Oh, just let's just not even talk about this. This is just. But actually, we we should talk about this because this is mostly yeah. These are women who are being constantly abused and these stories are not out there like we never we we never hear about those stories so uh yeah yeah. and so what 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 do these ladies do uh, to protect themselves so
1: um there is an international ngo called no means no worldwide Mm -hmm. and when their founder uh lee Paiwa first went to uh karagocho for another project she heard she learned The sad stories about the grandmothers and how many are getting raped and a lot of them also getting murdered afterwards and so it haunted her and then she decided that she wanted to implement a self-defense program for those grandmothers so she started um, scouting for young women from their communities. And then she basically uh, educated them to become self-defense instructors. Mm-hmm. And then these young women teach those elderly ladies like twice a week or, you know, uh, in different slums in, in, um, in Nairobi. Uh, and in those classes, the grandmothers learn how to you know verbally but also physically defend themselves so they learn a lot of tricks they learn uh techniques like punching techniques and kicking techniques, and you know how to get out of a grip and and you know regular self defense techniques um and it's just amazing you know because those women they have so much fun training it, and the best part about it is that it actually works so since those classes have been implemented and those grandmothers have been um learning how to defend themselves the number of rapes uh was significantly um reduced so that's the positive twist you know like now i can
0: imagine i can imagine you're like a 20 20 something year old male and you're just minding your business just going to like casually rape that 106 year old grandma for your own benefit and suddenly she starts like kicking and screaming at you and just defending her honor like i mean you better run
1: young oh, man cool. i
0: mean assholes I uh, i'm so glad for those young for those young women for those older women oh my god this like yeah. almost brings tears to my eyes thinking that there is somewhere and that there's like really underprivileged women underprivileged women who never have a voice and suddenly they have an opportunity to actually do something about their lives
1: Yes. And then also, you know, they positively influence the way that the next generation sees Mm -hmm. women, because the problem is not, you know, the problem is that a lot of men think it's okay to rape a woman and a lot of men like over there, they think, okay, she's wearing a mini skirt. So she's asking
0: to be raped, shit like that, you know i'm pretty sure if you grow up in such a society as a woman also you kind of like normalize this kind of behavior of men you know that's like oh boys will be boys i mean in in this case it's like oh yeah you know uh, the men will be will stay rapists i can imagine a lot of women before they definitely like normalized it because that was i mean as as you've written one out of four women in this townships are raped. That means that it's like so normal there that probably they're just like, oh well. I mean that happens. You know, it's 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 horrible. And now probably they finally realize it's not okay. Exactly, exactly. Which is why this NGO that I was speaking about previously,
1: they now also do programs in the schools where mm-hmm. they educate young children, like young girls and young boys, like separately. So the boys will be instructed by male instructors and the girls by lady instructor and they basically teach them more respect for women and you know like the the female instructors give the girls more confidence and also teach them some techniques and the boys are being taught how to respect a woman and it's not okay to you know do whatever you want with the woman stuff like that. So that way the future generations will have a different perception, you know. And then also those grandmothers who are now super kick ass, you know, their grandchildren and great grandchildren, they see their grandmother being super strong and they get inspired by it too. So, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing really, this program.
0: This is this is really great. This is just uh you know, like sometimes living in Germany or living in europe generally you're thinking ah oh, like you know feminists they already got what they wanted we're equally equal i mean it's not my i mean i don't i definitely don't think that we achieved what we wanted even in the uh, western europe but at the same time i like i sometimes forget or we sometimes forget how lucky we are that this kind of things are not happening to us anymore that we have to maybe fight words I mean, of course, there there are things which are happening, like there are rapes and abuses uh, which are happening in the Western Europe as well, but not on such a big scale where this kind of women are not even, they don't have a voice, they don't have an international voice, they cannot talk about it. Uh, while in Western Europe, we every time like something like this happen, I hope that more, more and more, more women can stand up for themselves. But uh, it, you just see that, uh, yeah, the fight is not over since violence against women is... Uh, Is everywhere. And this is great to hear such stories that these women are finally not silent about it anymore.
1: And you know, the beautiful thing is the more I do research, like the more I research these stories worldwide, the more I find. And I feel like it's kind of like although we might not be aware of it, like a bit of a global movement, you know, of women just becoming stronger and standing up more for themselves mm-hmm. and supporting other, you know, it's always like these ladies are always then supporting other women in their community. So I think, um, you know, this is a very positive tendency, despite all the ugly things that are happening out there, you know, like women are becoming stronger every day and they're like, we're all united in sisterhood. Right. So we support each other and, I think that's the beautiful thing behind um behind these stories.
0: This is great. I mean uh for those who uh, want to um to see more of your work they definitely have to go to your website it's com. Uh, there's also the, the Himalayan Kung Fu Nance, and there's yeah. a great story of the German boxing champion Zena Nassar who is uh also wearing a hijab and this is also a big deal in in the martial arts uh, as I've understood. So this is, this is all great stories, and I'm really happy to see uh, you covering those kind of stories. Uh, my next question is actually about those kind of stories. Um, you are a member of uh, Women Photograph, and uh, for those who don't know, it is an initiative that launched in 2017 to elevate the voices of uh, women visual journalists. And they have a private database of more than 950 independent women documentary photographers who are based in worldwide. And uh, basically, I wanted to know your opinion. Why do you think uh, it's important for initiatives and organizations like this to exist? Uh, Do you personally feel underrepresented in the field of photojournalism as a female?
1: Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Things are changing now. Um, there is more and more female voices in the photography world, um, but still, you know, the numbers reveal that most publications will still hire a male photographer over a female photographer, and sometimes also for female-related stories, which doesn't really make much sense at all. Because as a female, of course, I have a different access to another female than a man mm-hmm. does, especially in societies where you know genders are a bit segregated. So. Um, or more than a bit, actually, totally segregated. So I think, yeah, Women Photograph um, is definitely a very great initiative. um, And it kind of like shook up the photography world a bit. Um, You know, they're always publishing statistics of like the main um, main um, publications worldwide or like in America and how many, how little percent of the images in these publications were, were actually shot by women. And it's a bit shocking. It is a very male dominated um, industry, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, But there's more and more females on the rise now. And I think it's really important because the female gaze is definitely different from a man's gaze. You know, we are more intuitive and we perceive things differently and we see things differently. And I think it's very important to have the, the female gaze and the female view of the world as well. And I think it's kind of like a trend also in the industry right now to work more towards that, which is great. You know, it's about time. Okay. Um, that, so was
0: actually my, that was actually my next question. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you believe in a specific female gaze or is it more like what you said before is that uh, women have um, a, and uh, they are more accepted in a certain societies, especially like the, this closed off societies. And this is probably why it is important to have a female photojournalists. But uh, yeah, so you, you do believe that there is a specific female gaze, which I is different from men.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think most of the time, if you show me a photograph, I will be able to tell you if it's if it's shot by a man or a female like or a woman, and most of the time it will be true. I do believe that, yeah, we shoot differently. I cannot exactly explain, you know, I think it's the intuition. It's just a more intuitive approach and a less technical approach, I think, that us women have. Um, so, yeah, I do, I do believe there is um, a very different gaze that women have. It is um, interesting
0: because I personally really don't think like there are a lot of times where I would look at a picture and I would know if it's a man or female who shoot it. The only times where I kind of like understand that this is probably shot is by a female is because the story which is covered is a female centered story. And that was actually my also kind of question is like, do you think that some stories are not covered enough in media or in photojournalism because they're just not interesting to men? And because most photojournalists are men, they're just not covering those stories?
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think like, for instance, the story that I'm working on right now, the Kung Fu nuns, you know, that you just like briefly talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. If I were a man, there is no way... I would have that access that I have right now, and it took me a long time to get that access and to get their trust. But now I have it, and as a man, it simply wouldn't be possible, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I
0: have a I have a feeling that still, like as as I said, like for as you said, actually, uh, I totally agree with you here that we have an access to places where, uh, you know, like which are still like segregated by gender. And, uh, maybe like, uh, in many societies, women would be much more trusting, uh, with another woman rather than with an outsider, with a man, especially yeah. like when you're talking about abuse victims, you're thinking yeah. of, uh, women who are already being like mishandled by men. So probably they have less trust in them already generally, yeah. uh, also because they see them as this kind of, um, yeah, as their abusers in a way yeah and they don't really feel this like for instance the
1: uh, the show shows the grandmothers in, in Kenya that we spoke about earlier uh, before I went there to shoot this um, a Reuters male photographer had been there and he had done a few shots but looking at those pictures you know I saw those pictures and I was like Jesus like really I mean come on you can do so much better with that it's like he didn't even really try you know it looked like it was just a job for him and okay I'll take a few pictures click click you know like but um, I don't know, maybe even for a, for a male photographer, sometimes it might not be that easy to empathize with, you know, a lady in a situation like that simply because he might be like a white privileged man, you know, and how can he really empathize with like, I don't know, maybe a, a non-Caucasian lady from
0: a very underprivileged uh, surrounding. You know, maybe well, it's- I mean the same. Probably would go for a white woman, <laughs> but less. I, I mean, I totally understand your your where you're going with this. Of course, a woman would understand other women, female problems better yeah. than a man probably. Very often, men just don't understand female struggles, uh, struggles just because they were never in female shoes. Uh, I was recently um, listening to this TED talk by a transgender woman who used to be a Christian pastor, and she was a white privileged man. Unfortunately, I forgot her name. It's a long name. Uh, Paula is her name. The surname slipped my mind. And she lived her lives as both a white privileged man and as a woman. Uh, She uh, is transgender. That also adds, of course, to the certain discrimination which she's facing. But, you know, for people who don't know that she's transgender, she's just a woman. So they Mm -hmm. and she compared her life, how it was before and how it is now. And she said, like, it's totally drastically different. She said that people basically she feels like, oh, I feel like I became dumber because people, especially men, they talk to me as if I didn't know things they don't trust my opinions as much as they trusted them when I was a man, where I was never questioned for saying something. Now as a woman, I, I constantly am questioned. So, uh, I, but at the same time, she never blamed men. She just said, like, I totally understand because I was one of them. I just didn't understand how hard it is for women because I was never one. But now mm. I am one and I totally see the difference, the different approach and the different, kind of attitudes towards, uh, towards men and women in our society. And I think this That's is very important to have this dialogue
1: yeah absolutely i'll I'll check that ted talk out <laughs> yeah I will send,
0: I will send you to the link to it because it's one of the most empathic and like one of the most brilliant ted talks. She is talking you can see that she used to be a pastor she can talk amazingly like the she's preaching to the crowd, but like all the right messages it's so beautiful actually she cries a little bit in the end i I cried with her because she never said a Single word word of hate towards men or towards those people who tweeted her wrong, but she also kind of understood why this is happening, and she basically said thank you to all the people who are there to support people like her and generally women's rights. And it was it was it was really great. So I I was really glad, glad about that. So um, yeah, it's interesting that we have different uh, kind of opinions about female gays because I. As I said, like I, I I always thought that there is no really female gaze, just probably uh, female topics. But at the same time, I've read that um, women do take more time with their uh, stories in photojournalism. Um, that women actually like f- they are taking more in-depth look at a certain story. But uh, in in the case with the nuns, I can also imagine because you have an like really approach or uh, to them, you can really infiltrate the community. While as a man, uh, I mean, you will be always an outsider.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I mean, it's still really difficult with the experts, as you can imagine.
1: It's, it's nuns. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the beginning, I thought I was going to be able to, you know, stay with them in the nunnery and stuff. And that's just all not really possible the way I thought it was. You have to be very, you know, understanding and patient and yeah. <laughs> in general our profession brings a lot like you need to have a lot of patience right especially if you want to do stories more in depth and to me that's more like a bit of like the difference of like photojournalism and documentary photography and, photo- mm-hmm. photojournalism and stories faster you yeah. know and then documentary photography you can it can take years you know to work on a project and then obviously you have a very different. Insight into their people lives the people's lives um when you spend so much more time with them right
0: so Um, do you have actually plans for the i know it's really hard to plan right now but do you actually have plans for for the future like to to continue like you're obviously continuing uh to work on your amazon amazon's uh project but then yeah like what what is the what is this um project in india that's um, actually the Kung
1: Fu nuns. They're like, they have two nun Like one's in, one is in India, in Northern India, in Ladakh. Mm-hmm. And the other one is in Kathmandu. Um, so I was supposed to, yeah, actually be there right now. Like end of April, I was supposed oh. to be
0: there.
1: So I'm very sad. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to continue working on that amazing project and um I can't wait to meet those inspiring women again they're really great um but yeah I mean I don't know who knows you know and we might have a travel ban for another year it might even be two years who really knows these days so you no, cannot you really don't, don't say things like
0: that this is this really oh, yeah, freaks me know. out
1: I know me too um, but um yeah so um
0: I mean I have some other projects lined up that are all on hold now
1: um yeah so
0: oh let's I not add, let's not end on such a sad note i really i really think that uh we will get back on track and i think this is really important i i really love your current work work from home i i have to be honest i uh put my uh my camera away for a really long time i wasn't touching mm-hmm. i was actually I, ha- I had a little burnout in the beginning of the year so i actually wanted to take a kind of a sabbatical or away from from my travels but actually yeah. now I'm even longer than I've planned that I have to stay home but I wasn't really touching my camera for a while but now i am I'm, I'm really I got really inspired by your pictures from home and I was like well maybe I should just pick up my camera and do something so I was taking a few pictures now and then in the past few days inspired by you oh thank you i can't wait to see them are you going to share yeah yeah, i think i think i may i probably will i don't know yeah i (laughs) I will ask my husband if he will be okay with that (laughs) he hates me taking pictures of him to be honest Yeah. oh
1: well my partner is luckily he's he's cool with it um but yeah oh yeah I actually wanted to mention that the women photograph that you spoke about earlier mm-hmm. like we're now having a, a common project um that is being organized by two members um and it's called women photograph the journal so we're all like I think we're like 350 or 400 participants right now like female photographers around the world Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: each of us is basically you know sharing their view of the of their own quarantine right now and um i think people uh who are listening right now should definitely check it out like they have um we have their own um like they have their own instagram uh handle it's like uh, wp the journal Mm -hmm. and uh, really great work there like you can also really get inspired there and we you know support each other a bit and we have like weekly themes that you can submit to and it's really you know a fun way to support each other and stay creative and you know we have video meetings and then we have takeovers and it's, it's really fun and actually this group helped me a lot to also come out of my because in the very beginning like last month I was also feeling a bit paralyzed I had the same thing that you just spoke about like I didn't really feel for the first time basically in my life to pick up my camera. You know, I just was so struck by the whole situation that I felt a bit mm-hmm. paralyzed through this group. And then, you know, I saw they were looking for participants and I just signed up for it. And that basically also gave me a little push, you know, oh, to yeah. just be creative despite everything. And um, it's actually really, you know, um, really, really good to, to be creative at home. And I think, I think I'm seeing my whole, apartment differently now you know now that i'm home so much i see like i know exactly okay at that time i will have the light there and at that time there will be the light you know and it's just i don't know it's, it's a really fun way to to pass the quarantine creatively and um yeah
0: um, this is this is really great like i i would i i think i already checked it out and I will definitely check for more works and I'm definitely more inspired to do this kind of work more myself because uh, I've, I haven't i have been doing photojournalism for a while now and I really want to go back on track. But unfortunately, right now it's not possible, to be honest, almost <laughs> with the current situation. But uh, thank you very much, Nadia, for joining me and for telling me all those great stories. I mean, I really hope like that our audience will be as amazed and as... Um, inspired by all those great kick-ass grannies which you talked about and about all those kung fu nuns this is like this all sounds like a netflix series it doesn't sound like real life but it, it is actually real life so thank you for, very much for joining me and um, yeah have a great uh, have a great day and i am really looking forward to for seeing more of your quarantine pictures from home thank you and bye-bye thank you so much bye and it is a wrap Thank you for listening to the end of our today's Bell Collective podcast. I had a great time speaking to Nadia and learned so much more about the baddest women of the world today. I hope you did too. I'm looking forward to speaking to more inspiring women in the podcast to come. So please subscribe, tell a friend about Bell Collective and stay out of the box. Bye-bye.